0: Hello, and welcome to Designer vs Developer with me, Mustafa, Design Advocate at Google. This week, we're speaking to Darren Fisher, the VP of Chrome, about how you go about designing a browser. We talk about Chrome's history, the last 10 years, and what the next 10 years hold. So there was internal talk about how Chrome was built, and. I think back to that time where Internet Explorer was the dominant browser. Yeah. Um, Firefox was just was fighting it, and like the developer tools were becoming quite prevalent. Um, Safari was 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 just released, I believe, and Google decides to build a browser. So, how do you start in that environment where there's so much competition? Like, how do you design a browser? Yeah,
1: yeah it's probably important for people to know. I mean, Chrome was released in 2008, yeah, but actually we started on it in 2006. Oh, wow! And the team at Google that uh, started on Chrome was actually, we were all working on Firefox. Um, When I first joined Google, beginning of 2005, the idea was to uh, work on making the web better. And one way to do that is work on making browsers better. Uh, So we started out as a team working on making Firefox better. A year and a half into it, we made the switch to actually building our own browser. And that was a big, Big, um, complicated decision, right? Because you know we had already we'd already been going down a certain path, right? Looking back, I think there were a number of factors, right? Uh, first off, we thought we could do a really good job, so that had to be true. Yeah. Um, but also, um, you know, there were a lot of things about browsers in those days that I think created a frustrating user experience.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you got to go going back to two thousand six. You know. Uh, applications like Gmail, yeah. Maps, and YouTube and so on, these things were uh, becoming popular and other folks were building complicated web applications like this. Uh, and, and your typical browser in that day, if you were to leave Gmail running overnight, it, you'd come back the next day and your browser would feel pretty sluggish and, yeah. and bogged down because of just the weight of these applications. And so way back then we, we had the idea that it would be really nice to split up uh, the browser into multiple processes. Operating systems had gone through a revolution from the days of Windows 3.11 to (laughs) to Windows NT and so on, where preemptive multitasking was the thing. OS 9 to OS 10, Uh, could we use preemptive multitasking? Could we take advantage of actually multiple processes on these systems uh, for web browsing? It seemed pretty, pretty, uh, pretty like uh, actually seemed possible if you were thinking about a browser from scratch. Knowing what we knew about Firefox, we knew that it was going to be pretty complicated to try to make that kind of change. Uh, a big part of the complexity was just, uh, for example, the the scale of the extensions and add-ons ecosystem. Right, uh, the ex- extensions were all built with expectation that they could synchronously access all parts of the web page as well as the browser UI and everything. Yeah. Uh, to try to bring that to multiple processes would have been very complicated. That's just one example. We also had a lot of other sort of ideas that um, sort of felt like they're they're hard to do retroactively when you've already built up a lot around the way the system works thinking about Firefox right yeah uh, we could imagine a path but it felt like a multi-year journey <laughs> um, and a lot of refactoring and a lot of pain Absolutely. Um, and you can sort of see that validated a bit. If you look at the path that it's taken with a tro- electrolysis, really great design, works great, but they have to um, make a big shift in the extensions ecosystem in order to yeah. pull it off on the Mozilla side. It reminds me a bit like search before Google's. Like search was
0: basically portal sites, and the search input field was like almost the m- most yeah, least yeah. important thing. But then Google came along. It's like, no, no, that's the wrong user experience. When uh, Chrome came about. It was quite radically different because I know remember this phrase is uh, "content not Chrome." Oh, yeah. Um, so just in making effect, that kind of UX decision of like you know because it was all
1: toolbars and I remember uh, it's like you install anything, everything effect, had a toolbar. In fact, you um, in back then it was very common to find a user with Internet Explorer and they had installed multiple toolbars. So it's not just one toolbar but multiple toolbars. And there's you know there's great absurd screenshots of people with you know whose browsers had like five toolbars and there's yeah. not a lot of room for the content, right? Uh, so one of the things with Chrome, this Content Not Chrome idea, was to really remember that the whole point is people want to engage with the web application, the website, the web content, and the browser should try to get out of the way, just facilitate uh, helping you use the web. And so even when we designed the extension system, we resisted the idea of having a first-class way or a proper way to do toolbars or sidebars. We really didn't want um, extensions over eagerly you know, using up Screen space when that screen space the users really want that for the content. So we designed things like extension buttons. That would be the primary access point and tried to guide things in a way that would um, preserve that notion. And even the UI of Chrome itself, we tried to keep it very minimalistic. Uh, You know, we spent a lot of time in the early days thinking if we're going to introduce another browser, it's got to be so awesome, right? It's got to, and what does that mean? It's got to have like the most amazing features. It's got to like have a whole new take on browsers. It's got to be radically different UI. Um, surely that would be the reason why we're doing this, right? Yeah. Um, but in, and we tried many different things, putting tabs on the side, um, you know, fancy user gesture kinds of things, mouse gesture types of things. I mean, uh, none of that really felt right. Uh, and, we, and Through that process, we came to realize what, what actually we were doing, and what really would set Chrome apart, is that it was a browser that just works better. Yeah, like creating software that's not frustrating is actually hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think users appreciate it. And so, I started to think about it. And what does that really mean for us? It was like, well, a product should uh, be pretty simple, right? Should, should try to try to come up with elegant UI choices. Keep it simple. Uh, it should be performant. But like I said, browsers uh, browsers have a history of being janky and not yeah. not well behaved. Um, and 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 you, the user has an expectation when they click on something, especially when it's the Chrome of the UI, when it's the the browser UI. They click on it. They say, "Close this tab." It should close right away. Yeah. Par for the course. Those days was you click close the click to close the tab, and you you might see a beach ball on macOS 10, yeah. or or nothing happens on Windows. You start to see the application not responsive prompt, right? But in Chrome, because we went with this multi-process architecture, we were able to guarantee that if you click close on the tab, it's gone. Yeah those are examples of like responsive UI that you know sometimes when we talk about performance speed we mean like how well did it perform on a benchmark but a lot of times it comes down to like was the experience smooth responsive to the user input did it actually do what the user wanted it when the user wanted it that kind of thing. So simplicity, speed we also put a big focus on security yeah. and stability. So we had these four S's, yeah. and that was the thing that we just repeated to ourselves. If you're not sure what to work on, work on one of those things. Yeah, work on making a simpler design, work on making it more performant, work on making it you know, uh, more secure. So, And really with security, we mean making it so users feel safe on the web. They feel in control of their privacy. They understand what's going on. Uh, but also that it's the system is is um, protecting you from malware and so on. And again, our multi-process architecture not only helped us make something more performant, but also something more secure, a browser more secure. And finally, it helped a lot with stability. But also for stability, we put a big focus on rooting out crashes. We, yeah. we, um, we knew that starting sc- Scratch with a browser, that might actually be the biggest concern. Is it going to just crash? Because how do you... How do you exercise enough of the browser in your testing to know that you've got it right? Yeah. Um, we based the browser on, not on Firefox, not on, you know, we, we based it on WebKit, which is what, at the, those days, that was Safari 2.0. Safari 3 had just come out. Um, and WebKit, Safari was known to not necessarily be the most compatible with the web, right? Uh, modern web standards driven by Firefox were just becoming a thing. Internet Explorer has had a lot of quirks about it. Internet Explorer 6.0, a lot of quirks, especially thinking about like float. float yeah. Out with the, floats the yeah, the box model. Yeah, the box model. All these things were very impactful to like how web pages were built. If a developer was testing a lot with Internet Explorer, theirs would be the quirks that they would code to. If they were testing a lot with Firefox, we'd see that. And with Safari, it was like, well, Probably they weren't testing with Safari. <laughs> and so it was a big challenge and a big fear when we launched Chrome. Is it going to just crash all the time? Yeah. How are we going to manage that? So we put a lot of effort. And in, in fact, that same issue informs like our choice of the user agent string. If anybody's seen the user agent string of Chrome, it's kind of hilarious because it mentions every, every browser ever since <laughs> Chrome came along. And, and that was part of navigating this whole like, does it work uh, conundrum. I mean, it seems like Chrome was like very
0: UX centric, not necessarily just UI centric. Without Santu granular. it was quite a brave thing to do. Some of the things that you're doing because of the conventions, it's like it's really hard to fight the conventions. Even though, like, you may think, now this is the best thing for the user, but they're used to all these bars. Like, when you ask people what do you want, it's always they want more and more. But they never use those things, and it's really hard and quite brave thing to say, no, we're gonna strip stuff away. We always taught in software development and UX, add more features, because more features means more value. So I mean, was there ever pushback, or was there like a fear,
1: maybe we're taking away too much from the browser UI? We certainly, like we launched new, originally Chrome without any extension support, and even the bookmark manager went, was, um, was, was revised quite a bit, you know, post the initial beta, things like this. So we, we intentionally went with a very minimal approach um, you know, But we also really encouraged the team to try a lot of things uh, with the idea that knowing going into it that we'd, we'd probably throw away things that aren't good. Right? Yeah. That was the, I don't know, uh, the mantra, if you will, like let's just try a lot of stuff um, and, and if it doesn't work, it's okay. We just throw it out. It's, it's not the end of the world. We don't have to ship everything we try. Yeah. And I think that was really liberating and really helpful because um, there were a lot of folks on the team who had different had had interesting ideas, and and it's empowering for people to try stuff. But it's also, uh, you know, appropriate that we we don't just say because we built it we should ship it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it helped that you know people have a lot of familiarity with what a browser is. So we weren't weren't necessarily trying to um, define the category in a new way. We were, but we were we had our own take on things, right? So bringing tabs to the top, and and uh, and and making sure that we got dragging out being able to smoothly drag out tabs right from the beginning Mm -hmm. things like that were stuff we focused on um but yeah there was all manner of debate about what kinds of features again uh or or i've 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 said that uh you know how do we know that this browser's how can we like justify that we're going out and creating another browser if it doesn't have killer features absolutely Uh, in fact we were really worried that googlers folks uh, google engineers would look at us building a new browser instead of helping Firefox, like we used to be doing, and they would ask, well, why? Why didn't you just put all that effort into Firefox, right? And so we knew we really, we weren't just worried about public opinion, we were worried about the opinion of Googlers, like, you know, because um, they can be pretty tough. Yeah. I wonder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably the toughest audience we have.
1: Sometimes, yes.
0: So we're coming up to like the 10-year anniversary. Looking back, what would you say were the, the, the best decisions you made? And also, the two part, what do, would you regret in terms of like, oh th- yeah, things that you did that you'd wish you hadn't.
1: I mean, you. Can well, so also- I'm an engineer. I was, I was definitely an engineer at those days, um, and uh, I feel really good about some of the decisions we made as an engineer from an engineering focus. Um, you know, we really put a lot of, we we talked a lot about how important it was that we were building a product not building a platform. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's a product that carries the web platform. But what I mean by not building a platform is that sometimes there's a temptation as engineers to go off and build framework and and tools for creating the product that you're actually there to create. Yeah. And we really resisted that a lot, um, tried to make sure that we focused uh, all of, as much of our energy on like actually building a browser, um, which was very helpful to, to, to uh, make sure that that that's what we did so for example we said we're first we're just building a Windows browser and that meant let's just use win32 straight away all the Microsoft apis uh, not looking for any cross-platform toolkit framework to build our UI yes one day we'll bring this to Mac one day we'll bring it to Linux you know and so on but like for now we're just building a Windows application in fact in those days it just needed to work on Windows XP yeah we, were, we, we said we're not even going to worry about Windows 2000. And I don't know if people remember Windows 2000. (laughs) In fact, we only worried about Windows XP SP2. And and that was it. And it was like very focusing for everybody. Um, All the decisions were just like very narrowly focused on that. Um, And when we went to finally build a Mac product, a product for OS 10. We, we told some of the engineers at Google, we said, hey, you wanna come work with us? We'd love for you to build the best browser for OS 10, and we want you to approach it the same way that we approach building for Windows, which is all the UI should be Cocoa, it should all be native, and we want you to have the freedom and flexibility to uh, both embrace the native operating system primitives, but also, uh, move quickly as those primitives change right? yeah. as the OS evolves. Uh, so let's build a Mac-focused product again with this idea that it's, we're building a product, on a platform for building browsers. What ends up happening as you do this, and we did the same thing with Linux. What ends up happening as you do this is you know we start to realize we are coding the same thing three times. Yeah. Right. And later on, things like Android came along and iOS and Chrome OS, and so our world got a lot more complicated. And what we ended up doing is there was this arc from uh, the singular, I'm building a product, to I'm starting to build platform things that help me build that product across n different platforms. And that came afterwards. And I think that was actually somewhat healthy Um, in a bit. To a certain extent, I kind of have some regrets that we built Chrome so much as a monolithic product. So uh, while there is some code structure that's healthy and good, and and, uh, there is somewhat of a layer cake, if you will, Mm There are, there are some cuts that some some extra layers in the cake that should have been there, yeah. um, and now we have um, a lot of complexity because we didn't make some of those cuts earlier. Yeah. We didn't modularize necessarily as much as we should have. But again, I think that came from that that focus on we're just building this product and yeah. it doesn't it don't need to be extra. We don't need all that extra modularity. Modularity, and now we find ourselves wishing we had a, maybe done a little more uh, had a little more forethought on that. But that can be because you can't necessarily
0: plan for that. It's yeah. almost like trying to plan for being super successful at something. yeah. Um, but in terms of, so I mean, that's like past things that you maybe you wish you did or planned for, even though it's quite hard to do. What would you say the decisions that were made that were actually really good to the
1: success of the browser? Yeah, yeah. So design examples and engineering examples, there was this one, one concept that was, came up very early, which was, um, and we wrestled with this a bit. So um, the, the content area of a tab, right? We started with the idea that there are some, we will actually have some browser UI that lives in the tab. So, for example, when you open a new tab page, there's there's some content shown to you, suggestions about things you might want to do. Yeah. Uh, we started out building that natively. And we started to find ourselves discovering an uncanny valley uh, because develop users have this expectation that things inside the tab behave like web pages. But building that not using web technologies meant that some things were subtly not right. Yeah. Selection behavior wasn't there. Context menus not there. And the same, you know, just things were subtly different. Uh, and so we scrapped that, and we built the new tab page using web technologies. Oh, wow. And now it fit better. Everything. We didn't have all those little niggling little bugs. It just felt natural. It felt natural. It fit with the product. On the flip side, we had some dialogues. And some of those dialogues, mostly they were built natively. But a few of them were built using web. And they never felt quite right. And so then we came to dis- discover that, like, let's be opinionated about this. If it's a dialogue, it's done natively. And if it's in the content area, it's done with a tab. And then we avoid this sort of um, uncanny valley situation. Um, not that that uncanny valley is solvable, uh, unsolvable. It is you know, uh, with a lot of work. But we, we, we came to realize maybe that work's not worth it. And we don't want to ship those bugs to our users or those quirks. But that's quite
0: interesting. I think it? it's the first time I've, because we always
1: have native versus web. I think mean, it's the first time you said native
0: and web working together for the benefit of the user experience. Yeah, um, and being cognizant of that and yeah. making a choice. I also remember you mentioning once um, the plugging structure and architecture was something that you're quite proud of, because I think there was challenges the way Firefox did things for security reasons, but the decisions you made with Chrome was that it was...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, well, there's there's certainly uh, that, that played out very much so with the extension ecosystem, extension design. So for example, um, Chrome extensions were engineered intentionally with some of the hindsight of what we learned from our days on Firefox. So we built all of the APIs for the extension system to be very asynchronous. And what that allowed us to do, by asynchronous, I mean, for example, if you want to query the tab state, yeah. uh, there's a callback. Uh, what that allows us to do is the extensions Script, its code could be running on a different thread in another process from the browser uh, process that actually has the knowledge of, say, the tab, uh, the tab data structures, and that that was very liberating because it meant that uh, that again the code could run anywhere, and so we're actually able to run the extension code out of process and in its own sandboxed uh, process, which is. Um, very, very good for um, security, obviously, but also good for the overall performance of the product. If that extension was misbehaved, it doesn't bog down the browser. Yeah. So by having extension APIs designed in this way, it's very future-proof. I feel like that was a very good uh, good early decision that, that allowed us to um, build an extension system that's held up. And you can see other browser vendors adopting this extension it's system me, as yeah. well, that same API design.
0: Absolutely. Um, I suppose the last thing is, when Chrome came out, there was a uh, designing for best viewed in internet Explorer six mm. um, and it 's interesting you say like at the time uh, WebKit was not the priority of web developers now we 've shifted ten years later uh, we 're seeing best viewed in Chrome or best viewed in webkit browsers right, right. Um, so there's this constant fear that we 're possibly entering back to the past where if 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 development stops, then users and like the web technology becomes like a stagnant. I mean, what are your feelings about...
1: Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think that oh, um, well, there's a couple of different things that happen with IE6, right? So uh, first off, Microsoft stopped evolving the APIs. Yeah. Um, and we're not stopping evolving the APIs. We our, our mission is to make the web better. And so we continue to invest in that. Um, and the way we invest in that is it's very important that we work with the standards community, the other browser vendors in particular, and web developers so that we get it right. Yeah. Um, one of the dangers of of shipping an API, if you're the only one, only browser shipping it, is that you might come to find that there's a better way to do that API, yeah. a better design, and then the end result is we'll be tempted to ship the new design as well, the better design, but we won't. We'll have trouble leaving behind the old design. Absolutely. So now we'll ship two ways to do something, yeah. or in the worst case, three ways to do something. If you look at CSS gradients, you will see there's multiple ways, yeah. and this comes from this this phenomenon where a browser ships it early, then they learn that oh, gee, I wish I'd done it differently and then they, they ship it that way too, and then, oh gee, I wish they would do it differently, and they ship it that final way, and so you end up with a multitude of ways to do things, and the web platform gets really complicated. Yeah. And we don't want the web, develop, web developer to be thrashed by all of that, right? We want to keep it simple and make sure the APIs work well. So we want to do our uh, do a good job, and that means spending time with other browser vendors, spending time with web developers, learning, understanding all the use cases, and being very deliberate in the standards process. But we should still be able to ship something finally, and sometimes we do have to take some calculated risk. Yeah, right. Sometimes we are the first browser to ship an API, but we hope to do that in a way that uh, stands the test of time. But it feels like things are um,
0: improving, just the
1: relationships of
0: like how browsers are doing things together. So I mean, with Flexbox was a pain, because yeah, yeah. the APIs kept changing, and the standards groups had um, kept redefining what they thought that was the best thing, but when now we have CSS Squared, there seems to be a much more collective, okay, we're not going to, everyone's going to have, like, four lines of CSS just to make yeah. one thing positioned correctly, that things are actually going to work better. Yeah. Um, so would you say that the future of the web is the relationship between the browsers making sure that people, like, we're doing things, as a community together, rather than
1: yeah, I throw in web developers as well as yeah. um, uh, browser vendors, because sometimes browser vendors can have only just a certain view on the world, and it's really helpful to have the view of the side where developers are actually trying to use these things. Yeah. Um, because you know we might have as browser vendors we might have one idea of the problem we're solving, but do we really know if it's going to solve it the right way? And there's a there's definitely a feedback loop that involves the community at large. So we've we've seen ten years of the web.
0: Um, and Chrome's 10-year birthday. What, what do you think is the next, what will do the next 10 years hold for the web and for Chrome? I mean, this is like a really of, dangerous
1: question. <laughs> lots of exciting changes and improvements where we'll be continuing to work on making it better. As far as 10 years out, my God, I, I have no idea. I just know that there's a lot of, um, I, think, I think computing continues to evolve the web and open, open the open web platform continues to play a huge role in people's lives and the and the way people publish content. Uh, the sort of char- characteristics and properties of the web are really special, yeah. um, and I think that you know it behooves us to continue to to work on making it better for people. And that and you know as you as you see sort of computing platforms evolve, you know originally desktop, mobile, now you start to see. Um, you know, assistive, other sort of uh, assistive sort of platforms evolving with like other devices in your kitchen and so on. Um, the web, though, is this, uh, provides this you know opportunity for developers to publish things and for other developers to consume those. And I think that's pretty special because a lot of times that information is put out there or that content that's put out there, uh, it's put out there in a way that um, you know maybe with with the idea that it's reaching particular users on particular types of devices, but one of the amazing things about the web is that other users can also access it. And that, that, that's, that's a very special property that can allow for uh, computing to evolve and be bootstrapped in new ways. And I don't know, I'm very excited to see how where people take things and how we can help.